everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He is heralded as one of this nation's strongest advocates for life, in and outside the womb. As president of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, national director of Priests for Life, the largest Catholic pro-life organization in the world, and national pastoral director of Rachel's Vineyard, the world's largest ministry of healing after abortion, my next guest certainly has his hands full, as well as his heart. It's a heart to defend life at all costs and the will to abolish rules that prevent life's very existence and at every stage. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a wonderful honor indeed. Priest, pro-life activist, and author of his latest must-read, Abolishing Abortion, How You Can Play a Part in Ending the Greatest Evil of Our Day, Reverend Frank Pavone. Reverend Pavone, welcome to Testimony. Well, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks so much, and thank you for this program. Well, thank you for taking precious time. And just to be clear, your many listeners around the world know you as Father Frank Pavone, yet you chose to proceed your name with Reverend for your latest book. Is there a reason for this, and what is your preference? Well, usually people call me Father Frank, but of course, Reverend is my formal title, and, uh, and uh, you know, this book is really for an interdenominational audience, and we wanted to make that clear, uh, right, in, in every way that we could, and that's one of the ways we did so. Thank you, thank you, that's great. Well, Father Frank, for our time here today, I look forward to addressing the many issues you bring to light in the fight to end abortion, but before we get to all of this... In part one of our two-part conversation today, can you begin to tell our listeners how you personally came to faith in Jesus Christ and what one incident propelled your decision to be one of this nation's strongest defenders of life and opponent of those that would try to destroy it? Reverend Frank, please tell us your story. Well, I grew up uh, with, the, with the privilege of, of knowing the Lord Jesus, worshiping in, in, a, in a community of faith uh, in, in New York, just north of New York City. And, uh, but when I was in high school, and I went to public schools, um, and, but, but in my senior year, I really began to be attracted to reading Scripture every day, uh, praying more intensively. Uh, I even started going to church every single day before going off to school, and uh, and the Lord Jesus became even more real to me, and I committed myself to really following Him in every way possible, every every choice that I made, every every decision in my life. At that very same time, I heard. Now, this was in 1976, so Roe v. Wade had just been decided three years earlier, and of course, that was the Supreme Court decision that made abortion legal in our country throughout pregnancy. And so, I uh, heard about this March for Life taking place in Washington. And my mom and my grandmother were going to go on the bus that our town had uh, organized, and they asked if I wanted to come with them. So I said yes, 
And it was that event, seeing tens of thousands of people uh, who identified themselves as Christians from all denominations, marching in the bitter cold, singing, praying, giving witness to a very, very sad reality, the tragedy of abortion, and yet they were filled with joy. I was struck by the unity and the diversity of the crowd, by their determination, and, and I saw there was something impelling these people that was something I wanted. Uh, and so it just awakened me to the whole abortion issue and to the pro-life movement. And since that day, I like to describe it as, you know, an alarm went off in my mind that has only gotten louder and louder. And I came at, 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 uh, to a certain point some years later saying I need to devote my, my whole life and my whole ministry to ending abortion. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Now, a quick question for those who may not know. The March for Life, who actually founded that particular march? What organization? Well, there was a group of people that came together uh, to have a march, and they, they were drawn from, from various different groups, but there was a, a young attorney by the name of Nellie Gray who was elected as the first uh, president of the March for Life organization. So a new organization was formed, and uh, little did she know that she'd be leading it for four decades. They thought they would have, you know, maybe one or two marches and the issue would be settled, but Nellie became the leader, and, and, and this is still the name of the organization. It's the March for Life uh, Educational and Trust Fund. Okay. In the beginning of your book, you talk about how Roe versus Wade fundamentally changed our nation forever, and you explain it in such an eloquent and succinct way. I don't think anyone could miss it, but I think we need to be reminded again. Can you explain? You know, the, the Supreme Court said in that decision that the unborn could be killed, but they said, they, they said, well, these unborn children, they might be human beings. So now we have a problem, because if they, say, if they had said, well, abortion is legal because we've come to the conclusion that the child in the womb is really not a child and is really not human, well, that would have been one thing. That would have been wrong. But they still would have preserved the principle that no government can authorize the killing of an innocent human being. But what they said was, oh, this might be human. We really don't know. But it's not a person. It's not protected by the Constitution. You can destroy it. You can throw it away. And so that changes the nature of government, because now you have a government that claims the power to, to, to kill innocent people. That cannot be allowed. That's a tyrann tyrannical form of government. That's how we get genocide. That's hol holocausts arise from that mistaken notion. So really, Roe versus Wade is not just a bad decision. It's not just a bad policy. It changes fundamentally the nature of our government and makes us into a, a tyrant state. Wow. You are also a proponent of Christians entering the political field to truly affect needed change. You talk about that in your book. Can you elaborate? Well, you know, the Lord Jesus met us in our field of activity. He, he didn't come to earth and say, okay, everybody, forget about what's going on around you and come up into this, this other world through, you know, I mean, some, med some, some religions are based on, you know, separating yourself from the world around you, uh, it, retreating to the inside, you know, and reaching some kind of superior kind of world through uh, meditation and spiritual activities. Now, obviously, in the 
the Christian faith, we, we, we do retreat on the inside to pray. The Lord Jesus taught us to do that, too. But this is a religion of incarnation, God in the flesh, God visible to us, speaking our language, walking the streets with us, eating with us. Uh, uh, we see this in the Gospels. And so we have a God who says, look, yes, there is a world to come. There is a judgment. There is a resurrection that's coming. But while you're here in this world, witness to the world for me. And, and so part of that world that we, that we live in is the world of politics. We organize ourselves politically to keep order, to secure people's rights. And to say that a Christian does not need to be involved in that would be a, 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 a curious and strange conclusion to come to uh, when, when God has told us, go into the world, make disciples of all the nations, and teach them to carry out everything I have commanded you. So yes, the book outlines in some detail why it is it is not only legitimate but obligatory uh, for Christians to be involved in the political process, but to do so as Christians, to do so uh, with the Word of God as their guiding principles. That reminds me of the scripture, Father Pavone, that we are to be salt and light, and if we lose our salt and our light, then what good are we? We might as well be thrown out. We have no effect. So... In your view, are the Catholics, you represent priests for life, on the forefront of this battle more than evangelical Christians? And if yes, why? Well, you know, I one of my greatest joys in the pro-life movement is precisely my interaction with evangelicals and with, with Christian believers of all uh, backgrounds in the body of Christ. And very, very often, these friends and colleagues of mine, whom I respect very much, whom I learn from every day, with whom I pray and, and worship Christ, they'll say to me things like, well, you know, we thank God for the Catholics. You guys have been there on this issue right from the very beginning. Uh, and historically, there's some truth to that. But, but at the same time, the pro-life movement has been shaped uh, as much by, by our evangelical brothers and sisters as by the Catholics. Uh, I mean, we've got a long historical tradition in the Catholic Church from, from day one, you know, of being solidly against abortion. Um, and, and, uh, and, and in this battle, however, we have been all together. Uh, I believe that the pro-life movement is the greatest expression in our day of true cooperation across denominational lines to advance the values of the gospel and the claims of, of the kingdom of God. It, 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 whether that's in the legislative efforts, political efforts, or, 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 or protests, marches, or even going to jail. Uh, we've had people going to jail, Christians sitting together in jail, not for doing anything violent but precisely for peacefully intervening to save lives from a violent act called abortion, which unfortunately the law permits. So, uh, so that's my, uh, my thinking on that. And I, I think in a strange way, you know, the violence, the evil of abortion, is bringing the disciples of Christ uh, closer together. Well, that leads me to our next question. Why is the fight for life everyone's fight? And what scriptures in the Bible support that stance in your view, and further, what are the consequences, Father Frank, for a nation that ignores it? You know, we have uh, uh, so many uh, scriptures that talk to us about the need to help the vulnerable. You think of the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, the rich man ended up going to hell. Lazarus, who had been begging at his door, went uh, to heaven. And yet, when we read Jesus' explanation of this, it wasn't because the rich man was rich that he went to hell. 
It was because he ignored the other man. And so Lazarus begging at his door, yeah, maybe he didn't know who he was, maybe they were not related, you know, who's this guy, you know, making a pest of himself. And yet what the Lord is trying to say is, if that's another human being, well then, if you love the God who created that human being, then you have some obligation to that person. Uh, and then we see this repeated over and over by the prophets. Uh, we see the prophets talking about justice. Justice meaning we have to intervene to save the helpless. Why? Because, again, biblically, God has intervened to save us who are helpless. He, he, he intervened to set his people free from slavery in Egypt. He intervened in Christ to set us free from sin and death. And that applies perfectly to this whole issue of abortion, because we're not here dealing just with beliefs. Uh, we're dealing with bloodshed. We're, we're not just dealing with viewpoints. That's why it's everybody's battle. We can't uh, say, oh, it's just somebody else's child. It's just somebody else's choice. Wait a minute. That child is also my brother, my sister. And so, uh, yes, I have an obligation to that child, and that's why we speak up and try to save them. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally acclaimed pro-life activist, priest, author, president of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, and national director of Priests for Life, Father Frank Pavone. You can learn more about Father Frank's work and get his latest must-read, Abolishing Abortion, by going to priestsforlife.org and get involved in the fight for life. Father Frank, thank you for taking precious time to share just a little of your own story and the story of an organization that is being used by God to affect change, heal hearts, and ultimately save lives. We look forward to hearing much, much more next week. God bless you. God bless you too. Thanks for having me. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.